I hate to say I told you so. That's kind of a lie. I love to say I told you so. But but I have told you once before, and so I'm telling you again. If you remove Christianity in the West, something will take its place. And as we're finding, that thing that's taken the place of Christianity in the West is not improving things. It's making things much worse. So we have to start reconsidering whether or not we want to move back to it if we're tired of seeing the crazy things that are going on in our culture. And I think this is exactly what Jordan Peterson means when he comes with his message to Christian churches, which is a video he just recently released. I've heard some other Christians interact with this video, and I think many of them are missing the point. So today on the show, we're going to interact with Jordan Peterson's message to the Christian churches. And I'm going to show you why I believe what he has to say in that video is very important for all of us, especially Christians. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Don't forget, today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you want to secure your family's future because you realize that there is no floor to Joe Biden and that he will continue to destroy the economy if given the opportunity to do so, and you need to then take your family's future into your own hands, if you finally realize all of those things, then it's time for you to go to KevinBlairTeam.com, where our friends over at Element Home Loans can help you get situated in a brand new home, or they can help you invest in the real estate market. They can even help you refinance your home, but you got to go to KevinBlairTeam.com to do it, where you can get pre-approved totally free for a brand new home loan. Go over there today, and when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. So today on the show, we're going to be looking at Jordan Peterson's warning to Christian churches, and I thought that his warning is very, very fitting and very, very important. Um, we're going to get into that, but before I do that, I want to let you know I'm coming from the perspective of somebody who has had lots of Christian ministry experience. In fact, I've been in Christian ministry for the past 20 years. I've been a pastor in multiple facets, including a senior pastor at the church that I started from the ground up. Um, and so, again, I've, I've done so many things in the Christian framework. So I've, I've ministered to single men, I've ministered to premarital couples, to married couples, and so many other things. I've done just about everything that you could possibly do uh, within the confines of church over the last 20 years. And then also I've gotten my graduate degree back in 2012 in theology. So I, so I have spanned kind of both of those worlds of the theological and the traditional Christian ministry realm. And I, and I only bring that to your attention because I never talk about it on the show, simply because I feel like that I have a good grasp on what church is and what church needs. Um, all of my years of ministry has kind of helped me understand that, and I believe that when I hear what Jordan Peterson has to say, I can give an informed perspective on it. So I, I only share that just to say that. But also, too, I, at least within the Christian YouTuber framework, <laughs> for whatever, like, good that is, not much. But um, I just, I don't want to overgeneralize and say within the Christian framework, because it's really hard to gauge that. But but I, I certainly know that I, within the Christian realm, um, am somebody who has consumed more so than the average uh, kind of Jordan Peterson stuff. So I've read his stuff. I've consumed almost everything that he's posted online um, and very familiar with Peterson's work. So all of that to say, I think that that gives me a great kind of apprehension of what is going on when Jordan Peterson releases this video, which I think is a very stark warning, even though he calls it a message to the Christian churches. 
And I might say before I jump into it too, that generally speaking, I don't take critiques from outside the church very seriously, to be totally honest with you. C.S. Lewis said the best person to critique home is the one who lives at home. He said this in Pilgrim's Regress. So essentially what that means is that I don't go around listening to Richard Dawkins about what the church should do and be about. I don't, I don't respect his opinion about the church. And if you listen to debates with Dawkins um, and then other new atheists of the same ilk, uh, they don't know very much about religion. They just, they really don't. They're intelligent people. They make great arguments on, on many levels, but they are, they're deeply ignorant about Christianity, deeply ignorant about the church and its role and about what Christians actually believe. And it's very evident to somebody who's within the church. So typically I don't listen to that, but, but I would consider Jordan Peterson somebody outside the Christian framework when he's been asked in the past about his Christianity. He's kind of dodgy on some things, dodgy about whether or not he believes Jesus was truly resurrected. With regards to the resurrection, my, my, Apart from saying what I just said, I would say that I need to think about that for about three more years. About the divinity of Christ, and even when he's asked the question, do you believe in God? He says, well, I, I act as though he does. So it's, I think I know why he says that, by the way, and it's too much to get into now. But I would firmly put Peterson outside of the Christian framework, outside of Christianity proper. Um, and, and still, I think that his critique is so valid because it is so very constructive. And because I, after consuming so much of his content, realize that this man is an expert about what's going on in our cultural moment. And therefore, I think we really, really need to listen to him. And I might also say that I've heard of other Christians, and we'll get into this in a moment too. I've heard other Christians interact with his message. And I, I think that the vast majority of them are missing the point. Therefore, I want to bring it to your attention so that you can hear what Jordan Peterson has to say, if you haven't already, but then also too, so that I can help you maybe kind of process this, because I do believe there is valuable, valuable information in what he has to say. So let's jump into uh, his warning, his message to the Christian churches. So it starts like this. It is, of course, completely presumptuous of me to dare to write and broadcast a video entitled Message to the Christian Churches, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I have something to say and because that something needs to be said. So we're gonna move through this pretty quick, but I just wanted to stop at least to say this. I think his assertion that is pretty presumptuous of him is an acknowledgement is that he is critiquing from the outside right? And that he is not the best person suited to be able to critique the church, which I, which I really value that kind of humility starting at the beginning of this. Um, however, he is not critiquing the church proper, and we'll get into this because I think what he is actually doing is he is critiquing the church's role in society. Now, this is a very important point. Jordan Peterson is, is an expert in totalitarianism. He's an expert psychologist in the way in which human beings process information um, and many more things than that, perhaps. But as a clinical psychologist, he is he, he sees the necessity, the imperatives of the Christian church, especially in the American West, and, and how important and prominent a role the institution of church has played in, in the West. And as that is starting to decline, it is starting to 
arise totalitarian tendencies in the mind of Peterson. I totally agree with this point, by the way. And so he is doing this more as a cultural critic than he is as somebody who knows about church. So he's trying to make that clear in my mind from the very beginning. His presumption is not that he can speak to church proper, but that he can speak historically to the role of the institution of church throughout history. And, and this is a vitally important point, because as, as we'll see as he digs into this, that the church needs to be a safeguard in every cultural moment, no matter where we're at, but especially this one. And, and we'll talk about why this cultural moment is especially important for, for Christians and the church to be engaged in. But suffice to say, already beginning, I think that's a great kind of way to start. And we'll get into um, kind of the basis of the beginning of his critique and then get to the heart of his critique. So a couple more. Is the inculcation of an extremely damaging ideology, which essentially consists of three accusations. Number one, human culture, particularly in the West, is best construed as an oppressive patriarchy, motivated by the desire, willingness, and ability to use power, defined as the compulsion of others against their will, to attain what are purely selfish and self-serving ends. This is true at every level of analysis. Marriage is akin to slavery, friendship to exploitation, political disagreement to war, and business arrangements to deception and theft. And this is true not only of the current social arrangements that characterize our culture, particularly in the West, but also the fundamental reality of history itself. Okay, so I think right there, what I'm going to do is I want to try to illustrate what he just said, and then I will give you by extension kind of where he's going to go so I don't have to show it to you. Again, you can watch this whole thing. Go back down in the description of this podcast where you can find a link to the YouTube video where you can watch this in its entirety. But I'm going to summarize it for you in case you just want to uh, take my word for it. But essentially what he's trying to say is this, is that there is a force outside in the world today who is wishing to describe everything as an oppressive hierarchy hierarchy, right? So everything could be understood through the lens of power and through oppressive hierarchy. Now, he gives the repercussions of that, how it impacts marriage, how it impacts business relationships, how it impacts our conversations with each other, but he's going to give a broader argument about how that impacts men, masculinity as it were, and the very real existence of such things. Now, I know there are people out there, including, unfortunately, Christians, who wish to deny the fact that there is such a thing as masculinity and wish to completely equate it uh, to a social construct. And in some ways, by the way, this is kind of a side note, but in some ways, masculinity is a social construct. Like the idea that blue is the, a boy color and pink is a girl color, that's, that is in, in some ways a social construct. However, masculinity... And, and it being a social construct does, does not undermine the reality that so much of our understanding of masculinity is based upon an objective truth of what masculinity actually is. So I guess what I'm trying to say there is that if the social construct matches the biological reality, well, then this, the construct is useful and helpful. If it has no bearing on the biological reality, then you can probably put it to one side. But for instance, when you think about men being protectors of the home, 
Now, that may be a social construct, but it is also a biological reality. Men are created stronger than women. And you guys know this very well, that if a husband and wife are in bed together um, and the wife and the husband wake up in the middle of the night because they hear somebody trying to break into their house and the wife touches her husband and says, honey, get up. There's somebody trying to break into the house. And the husband says, no, I'm too scared. You do it for me, honey. That's not a man. I'm your huckleberry. Right? So the, 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 the biological reality, if it matches the social construct, then the social construct is, is helpful. So suffice to say, masculinity is under attack in Jordan Peterson's mind, and it is because of a group of people, and this is the important part, and this is why I wanted to stop, because of a group of people who wish to equate everything to an oppressive, an oppressive hierarchy. Now, who are these people? These are the people that we might call the woke. Now, I use this word because I think most people get it when you say it. But I also know that the critique for those on the left, who are the woke, by the way, um, wish to point fingers back at people like me, who are conservative Christians, and say, uh, well, we use these terms. What does it even mean? So I'm just going to tell you really quickly without going into too much detail. What I mean by woke is I mean somebody who is animated by two fundamental ideas. And I would call them ideologies more so than just simply ideas. But postmodernism is one of them, and neo-Marxism is the other one. So when I say woke, this is what I mean. I don't mean people who are proper neo-Marxist in the sense that they want to create a Marxist revolution um, and are willing to use useful idiots to do so. I also mean the useful idiots in that process who have adopted bad ideas and, and false evil ideologies that are promoted by true and proper neo-Marxists. Now, this can be the, the social Democrat. This could be the, the extreme liberal Democrat. This is the person who believes that capitalism is evil and that uh, Christianity is just merely a construction of Western society to colonize and oppress people. These are the kind of people that I'm talking about. These are the woke. And this is what Jordan Peterson is pointing out in this video. And now I want to get to what he says at the very end, because I think that that sets the stage for um, for the rest of this video, is he wishes to point out a woke ideology that is animating conversations that we're having right now. And he wishes to point it out so that he can juxtapose the church to that entity. All right. The Christian church is there to remind people young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Now, in, in looking at this, I ran across uh, our buddy Ruslan, who I've talked about before on the podcast, and who is a hip-hop artist, but he isn't um, run-of-the-mill in that he's just doing brainless kind of Christianity hogwash. I, I, don't, I don't know the right term, but just uh, banal and insipid, shallow Christianity. I think Ruslan actually talks about some really good things on his show um, and was actually willing to critique the rap of uh, Stephen Furtick's uh, son, so. But suffice to say, he's uh, he is a commentator about pop culture and things that are going on, and he did a response video to this as well. I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, but in it, he starts by talking about what he believes is also some misunderstandings about masculinity that are harming men. 
harming young boys and the way that that can be detrimental and how Christians should view that. So he concurs with with Peterson's kind of initial kind of initial critique and initial uh, responses, but then he goes further. Now, I thought to myself when I saw the video, I'm like, I already can tell you what Ruslan is going to say before he says it. By the way, the the title on the video said, uh, Jordan Peterson's message to the church problem. Um, and uh, so he's going to tell me something's wrong with it. So I, I, and then I said, I can tell you what he's going to say already. He's going to say that the problem with Jordan Peterson's critique is that he doesn't preach enough about Jesus, or that he doesn't direct us back to Jesus. Now, this is exactly what he says. So I'm going to show you firsthand uh, Ruslan's critique of of uh, Jordan Peterson. He says the Christian church is there for all of those things. Now, I don't particularly have an issue with the things he outlined. However, if we're looking at what the Christian church exists to do, the big elephant in the room here, friends, is that everything he said, even when he used the word theology, is actually void of theology. It's actually void of the study of God, and it's his assessment of cultural things, of societal ills, of false projections against men, which I think he's in tune with if we're talking cultural commentary and psychology, but there hasn't he's saying the word theologically, but he hasn't made one theological statement, and the big elephant in the room here is he hasn't used the Bible once. Let's actually look at what the scriptures say the Christian church exists to do. Okay, here is the Great Commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, and, uh, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. There's a lot in this verse. First of all, there's, a, there's the reality that this whole church thing starts with worshiping Jesus. Now, I want to push aside for the moment the fact that I knew in advance before I even watched the video exactly what Ruslan was going to say, because that's a troubling thing, by the way. This is something that Jordan Peterson does in his GQ interview. If you type in GQ interview, you look at the YouTube video. It's great. By the way, I'd encourage you to do it. Peterson really gets on this girl for regurgitating leftist talking points and saying, it's really a bad thing if I know what you're going to say before you say it. Um, now, I'm not saying that of Ruslan entirely. I'm not saying that of his channel. Um, I'm not even saying that uh, completely of everything that he says in the video, because there's certainly some surprising and good things that he has to say. But I'm just saying this, the overall idea that Ruslan brings forward is something that was very predictable. Now, I think I'm interacting with it faithfully. I might be missing some nuance here and there, but I think specifically what Ruslan is just simply saying is that, well, the main mission of the church is the Great Commission, and you don't even mention that, Jordan Peterson. Why aren't you doing that? And, 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 so in other words, he's saying you're missing Jesus and you're missing discipleship. Now, like far be it for me to say that those aren't essentials, that those aren't the primary mission of the church. That's true. But let's put in context the message Peterson is giving out here. This is so very important for us to understand. The dude is not a Christian. So I don't actually hold him to the level of expectation of thinking that he will understand the primary role of the church. By the way, I think he alludes to it in this statement. A ladder to heaven to build. If I know Jordan Peterson like I think I do, when he says ladder to heaven, he's essentially talking about people connecting to God. And might I remind you that when he's talking about connecting to God, he also ends the video with that. Once again, 
to the churches. Protestant, you're the worst at the moment. Catholic, Orthodox, your churches for God's sake. Quit fighting for social justice. Quit saving the bloody planet. Attend to some souls. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your holy duty. Do it now before it's too late. And the hour is nigh. So I don't think that this point is lost on Peterson. He understands the main role of the church is to win souls, to impact souls. Uh, now, does he know the way in which we do that through the proclamation of Jesus and an understanding, a clear understanding of who Jesus is and through discipling Christians? No, perhaps not. But, but, but again, I come back to the fact that Peterson is not a Christian, okay? And so we have to take his, his critique within the context of the person giving the critique. So like so many, Ruslan is critiquing um, he's critiquing here what is not present rather than what is present. I get this all the time on YouTube. Well, how come you didn't talk about this and you forgot to talk about this? Guys, do you want these videos to be like five hours long? You're probably not going to watch them. Um, like it's not Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, so the point is, is that like you, you critique what is there, not what isn't there. What is present is Jordan Peterson's expertise on woke social justice movement and social justice warriors, the woke ideology, leftism and totalitarian tendencies within the left. This is where the man absolutely flourishes. So this is why we have to put in context what he actually says. So yes, why we need to preach Jesus and why we need to preach discipleship. I think we also need to understand that the church also has an obligation that Peterson is pointing out, and this is primary too. So I'll, I'll put it to you this way, and I'll use scripture to do it. The, the, the role of the church is to proclaim Jesus and to push back or to correct things that would keep people from a proper understanding of Jesus. So anything that would hinder people from fully understanding the gospel, the Bible, and who Jesus was, we also need to remove that and get, help people get rid of those ideas as much as possible. And this is why I think he's not missing discipleship. Because this is what Jordan Peterson's doing in the video. But let me go to scripture here. So when Jesus meets the rich young ruler, he preaches to him, Jesus. Jesus preaches Jesus to the man. But then he also tells him something else. There is one thing that will hinder you from truly appreciating and, and appropriating the gospel like you need to. And that is your exorbitant wealth. And because you're so in love with your wealth, you don't have as much room as you need in your heart for God. So you need to get rid of that wealth in order to follow me fully. So you see what Jesus does right there? Not only does he preach himself, follow me, but he also says, get rid of the thing that would keep you from truly following me the way you're supposed to follow me. So get rid of the thing that would hinder your understanding of who I am. See, this is the role of the church. And this is why I believe while he may not be effectively doing the first part of helping people truly understand who Jesus was and the biblical imperatives there, he is doing this thing. He is helping people identify one of the greatest threats in our cultural moment to a proper understanding of Jesus. And that threat is leftism, or another term for it within the Christian context is progressive Christianity. This is why Jordan Peterson says, don't save the planet, save souls. What he's referring to there is the greatest threat in his estimation to the Christian framework, which is woke social justice, 
gospel, the social justice gospel, uh, woke ideology invading Christian churches that are more concerned with the planet and more concerned with, with toxic masculinity and more concerned with body shaming and more concerned with identity politics than they actually are with an effective and appropriate articulation of the gospel from the Bible. This is what Jordan Peterson is warning us to. And I want to illustrate this threat so that you will understand beyond me agreeing with Peterson here that this is the greatest threat in our cultural cultural moment right now. And, and uh, so beyond Peterson and beyond me that you will understand, you'll see for yourself that this is true. So I take you to the esteemed, the inimitable, inimitable, the prestigious, the intellectual giant Joy Reid of MSNBC. And in this article, Joy Reid shows us that the greatest threat in America today is Christian nationalism. Now, this is by Jahan Jones. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And this is an opinion piece, but let's face it, everything at MSNBC is an opinion piece. The headline is this, why Christian nationalism is suddenly at the forefront. And I'm going to read this article to you because it really is important for us understanding our cultural moment here. And, and so it says this, if you were at the center of a religious crusade, do you think you'd be able to detect it? I ask because it's becoming increasingly clear that the United States is under siege by Christian fundamentalist and traditionalist. Now, um, what he's trying to say right there is that if you disagree with me, it is because you are delusional. Don't you love that? Uh, so he's saying, you know, you're probably so deep in Christianity, you don't even realize that you've been eaten up with Christian nationalism. Now, first thing I got to say about this is that Christian nationalism is a completely invented and created term by the left. And this is a term that has been created by the left to categorize Christians that disagree with them. So if you disagree with the left or if you disagree with a progressive Christian, well, then that is because you are an extremist. You are a Christian fundamentalist and you are a Christian nationalist. You have to be. And then they go on to say things like this too, just so you know. Well, if you believe that America was created on Christian principles, well, then you're obviously a, 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 a Christian nationalist. And like anybody with any understanding of history understands that this is true, that our nation was not founded by a group of people who hated Christians and Christianity in the church. It was founded by a group of people seeking religious freedom from oppressive false religion in the guise of Christianity. That's the appropriate way to view, to view history. So of course, if we concur, well, obviously we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created, created equal and given by their creator uh, certain inalienable rights. Well, what is this talk of a creator? What is this talk of God? Are these just agnostic deists creating our nation? No, of course, these are people like John Adams, who said that the creation of our nation is, uh, is for a religious people and the construction of it is wholly inadequate for any other. So we need a religious people to understand what this American experiment is all about. So, of course, if we acknowledge a simple historical fact, then all of a sudden we are Christian nationalists. The article goes on. The reported text exchanges between then Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and Virginia Jenny Thomas, who is Clarence Thomas's wife, the right-wing activist and wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, gave us a window into the conservative movement's religious push to make America in its conservative Christian image. 
As he was exploring ways to overturn the 2020 election, reportedly texted Thomas, this is a, quote, this is a fight of good versus evil, end quote, going on to say, quote, evil always looks like the victor until the king of kings triumphs, end quote. Now, the only problem with these texts that Mark Meadows, chief of staff, and Jenny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, exchanged with each other is that they were absolute fabrications and lies. These are not things that were actually exchanged with each other. Because you might ask yourself, well, how did anybody actually get these private text messages between Meadows and Jenny Thomas? Well, the answer to that is that they didn't. You can see USA Today fact-checking this MSNBC article and saying it is that these texts were actually from a satire site. So they're actually clearly willing to use lies in the service of their truth. The article goes on. And the last week, another right-wing Christian group, the Southern Baptist Convention. That's right. The Southern Baptist Convention is a right-wing extremist group. They were exposed after an investigation found evidence of widespread allegations of sex abuse by clergy members. What does this have to do with Christian nationalism? We don't know. As my colleague Anthea Butler wrote, last year the SBC has been deeply involved in Republican politics and gloomed, glommed onto Trump during his time in the White House. All this exposure is serving its purpose, drawing the ugliness of Christian nationalism out of the shadows so it can be seen publicly for what it is, oppressive far-right conservatism wrapped in scripture. So you get the idea here, is that Christian nationalism is anybody that invokes the name of God, anybody that believes that Christianity should have an impact on what happens in our society. Oh, like you mean in the civil rights movement, like when Martin Luther King Jr., uh, Dr. Pastor Martin Luther King Jr. Or maybe you think about the Second Great Awakening and its impact on the removal of slavery in America. Oh, you mean stuff like that? Now, the Christian progressive is not a threat to people like the writer of this article here and to people like Joy Reid. They're not a threat, so they're never going to write an article about progressive Christianity. But, of course, authentic biblical Christianity is a true threat to the postmodernist and to the neo-Marxist. And I guess at the end of the day, here's what I'm saying, is that Jordan Peterson recognizes this better than most pastors do, better than most churches do. And this is why he is warning us. He realizes that there is a group of people out there that are threatened so deeply by Christianity that they will call you names, they will include you as those who try to invade the Capitol on January 6th, when of course there is no single Christian on the planet that endorses any like authentic, real Bible-believing Christian who agrees that breaking into the Capitol was a good idea on January 6th. But of course, they're going to lump you all together. Why? Because Christianity is a threat to the progressive movement. It's a threat to liberalism. It stands as the biggest threat as far back as people like Karl Marx himself, who declared that religion was the opiate of the masses, because he knew that Christianity was the biggest threat to the cultural revolution and to the Marxist revolution that he wanted to implement upon, uh, upon uh, society. So therefore, he needed to oppose Christianity at all costs, not to mention ethnic minorities and Jews, because the guy was absolutely a racist and anti-Semitic as well. Suffice to say, all I'm saying is this, is that Jordan Peterson is attuned to something that I think is very, very important for us to listen to. He's trying to alert us to something that we need to hone in on, that the progressive movement and 
um, watered-down Christians and even fundamentalist Christians in the evangelical movement, Protestant Christians, and even some Catholics are falling for today. They're falling for things that falsely accuse you of a form of Christianity that you do not possess. This progressive Christianity wishes to refute Christianity via the Enlightenment and endorse moral relativism rather than truth, feelings over doctrine, and radical empathy over rational compassion. This is the kind of progressive movement that really is invading the church today and causing us to care more about the planet than we do about the eternal souls of people. Peterson is so good at this because he recognizes that the MO of the left is to focus on external threats rather than to focus on the internal soul or the internal being and pay attention to the man in the mirror. The young person believes that the uh, climate, the global warming, um, problem on the climate is something that needs to be tackled quickly and they can't wait until they grow up and become prime ministers to do it. Do, do you think collective responsibility overrides individual responsibility in a huge issue like that? No. <laughs> okay. I don't. Okay. I, I think that generally, I think that generally, I think that generally people, I think generally people have things that are more within their personal purview that are more difficult to deal with and that they're avoiding and that generally the way they avoid them is by adopting uh, pseudo-moralistic stances on large-scale social issues so that they look good to their friends and their neighbors. That's what it looks like. See, Peterson understands that the greatest threat facing America today is not environmental threats. It's not even uh, left and right politics. The greatest threat facing America today is the, the man in the mirror, the, the being within the fact that we have a soul, and it is a Christian responsibility to call people back to focus on the improvement of one's soul over and above the activism that is outside of us, because it's way easier to take moral stances on things that you can't rightly control when you have something that you can control, that you can improve upon through the help of God and through the help of the institution of the church. So this is, this is the point is that there is a group of people who are truly threatened by Christianity out there, and, and they are willing to attack you, to push you back, and to make you cower into a corner. But we need a group of Christians who refuse to do that and want to take a stand. Listen, in some ways, the progressive movement has won so much ground, but, but they're losing that ground. Right? We're watching the, the lies of systemic racism, the lies of anti-racism, the lies of trans, transhumanism, uh, the lies of, of, of so many of the left starting to implode right in front of our face as we see that the suicide rate for the transgender uh, movement and transgender people is the highest seven to ten years after transitioning. So we're watching these leftist ideologies implode in front of our face. In other words, we're watching the John Lennon experiment totally uh, be destroyed right in front of us. That imagine experiment, imagine a world with no religion, with no, with no war, because of course those two things are associated. Of course, where there's religion, there's war. But imagine a world with no war, no, no division, no nothing, no disagreements, and everything is so beautiful, the utopia of imagine. Imagine that. Well, since we've seen that as we've moved further and further away from Christianity in the American West, we are less moral, we are less decent, and we are less rational. And if I'm wrong about the fact that 
Christianity specifically being removed from the American West is the source of, of all of the radical ideas of our day, the lack of common sense, the lack of decency, and the lack of morality, then you're going to have to explain where ideas like this come from. The idea that a man can breastfeed his child. If it wasn't the removal of Christianity and the belief in a created order that brought us to where we're at right now, then you're going to have to explain what it is exactly. And you can look at a chart. Trans, transgenderism has almost diametrically uh, sprung up and increased, and the same amount Christianity has decreased in, in America. So suffice to say, we need to reclaim Christian ideas and Christian truth if we're going to resist the woke ideology of our current cultural moment. And this is what Jordan Peterson is saying. He's not just saying that the church is really just all about reclaiming masculinity. So he's not just saying that the church is all about resisting uh, second wave feminism or third wave feminism and those who wish to overturn the patriarchy and the, and the detriment it is having on masculinity. He's not just sticking up for masculinity. He is, he is trying to make us aware of a threat that we can uniquely address. And I believe we need to heed his warning. When somebody like Jordan Peterson comes in and turns over the tables in the temple, I think it's time we started listening to him. And the only question I have at the end of the day is why did it take Jordan Peterson? Why don't we have more pastors sounding the alarm? And I certainly think we need more. All right, guys, thanks so much for watching. I hope that was helpful to you. If it was, don't forget to comment below to like, share, and subscribe. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.